What's up, jabronis? Welcome back to Two on Five, your only stop for top five lists. I'm Drake. I'm Brett. And today we're here to talk to you about something very near and dear to both of our hearts, uh, something that we grew up and helped form who we are today. And a lot of you out there also, we're going over our top five 90s rap albums. Yep. Uh, Just let you know, like this was way more difficult than it probably should have been for, I think, both of us. Um, it, it just more thought went into it than is probably necessary for something about rap albums, but it's, it, it's formative. And like, because it's formative and it just means more and like, you really want to make sure you get it right. I lost sleep on this episode and probably will continue to lose sleep on this episode because I feel like two weeks from now, my top five might have a couple of changes, you know, like there's just, there, there was so much content in this decade for rap and it it was headed in so many different directions. You could pick one style or another and they were very different from each other. And so you, you felt like you were picking a team at times, um, especially with the East coast, West coast beef. Um, there was just so much good content that it was really hard to boil it down into five albums a piece. Well, it's just such a baby genre anyway, you know, like the, like that 10 years, like represents just so much like those early, early nineties records that are just like, hi, my name is Will. I have a bill. And then by the end of it, you've got like these crazy wordsmiths like Eminem just doing verbal gymnastics and you've got like, like you said, the East Coast, West Coast thing, you had the rise of the, of the South. Like, yep. it, it's it's huge, and it's almost impossible to try and, like, narrow that much of a, of that much content, that much time down into top five lists. But we did, because we're that good. And we're ready yeah. to start. So, well, I'll start off with my number five. Mine is 1999's The Slim Shady LP by Eminem. Um, I can literally remember the first time I heard that and it, it blew my mind. Like it was just, I wasn't ready to hear like somebody be that funny and that perverse and that angry. And honestly, just that clear, like I could understand literally everything he said the first time he said it, which was amazing because of how fast he went that that album is amazing like it's just it, like it just came out of nowhere and you know there's one guest spot on the whole album like dr dre and but and the rest of it is just eminem going off and you could yeah. tell like he just had been waiting for this opportunity and he just took it and ran with it yeah he really was like a bird being let out of a cage um, and it didn't stop till the end. You were what? 16 when this album came out, this, this dropped in 99. So yeah, I feel like part of what helped carry Eminem to prominence was that 14 to 17 year old demo of kids that were just dying to hear something like this and to have it come out in such a clear and concise way. Um, it was funny. It was morbid. Um, it's just extremely fucked up, but still enjoyable from beginning to end. And 
I feel like this hit at such a time in our lives for a lot of a lot of you listeners out there. You know, we were all the same age when this came out and it changed how we thought about rap music. Yeah. And, you know, it it kind of reinvigorated Dr. Dre at that point. Oh, yeah, totally. And it was fun to hear Dre rapping on Guilty Conscience. Like I was I was all for that. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff that even at the time wasn't great, but it's super not aged well now. But (laughs) also, like, you knew that even then. Like, that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but like, you're listening to you're like, that's not okay to say, but it's really funny. I don't know. And like, the nice thing about that was, it was such a, it was like a release. Like, because no matter what, like, ever, like, you know, adults and, you know, people that were running radio stations and even Congress, they were very like worried about uh, all this stuff, but everybody else, it was a joke. Like, I mean, there was only so like you took him, you took him and him seriously because of his skill, but like a lot of the content you didn't have to take seriously. And that was kind of the fun of it because he wasn't pretending to be like, you know, some gangster or like, or he's, he didn't say, you know, I was a drug dealer or anything. He's talking about like fucking, Oh my God. Just everything he's talking about. Like you're like, he has talked about how he's like, I gave a girl too many mushrooms and she might've died. Ha ha. And like, it's catchy. Like, Right. There is a part of this too, that coming off the heels of the East coast, West coast feud, um, to have rap be fun again Mm -hmm. was super important. Um, and I feel like Eminem led the charge on that. And even to this day is still, you know, the torchbearer of funny rap, but also at a skill level that you cannot argue with. Like if you, if somebody puts Eminem in their top five rappers, you really can't laugh at him for it because his mm-hmm. skill is at that level. Well, the, and then, you know, we, we haven't even talked about the fact that he's a white rapper and right. like you know, in 1999, what? Like, I mean, there's there's more of them now, but like at that time, that was not a thing. Vanilla Ice had burned that bridge, you know, and nobody was taking it seriously. Hey, 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 hey! Let's not forget Everlast. Well, I think we, I think we can, <laughs> I think we can. But all right, fair. He had to be that good to like to even be taken seriously. So it was just. Like I said, it was just this perfect little storm and like it just hit me like a thunderbolt and the album still sticks with me. It's still my favorite. It's not his best, but it's my favorite one to hear. So, Sure. Good pick. My number five uh, is from a little guy, baby-faced man, who decided to turn his life around after his rap career and live for the Lord. But Mace... His debut album, Harlem World. Um, this is one that it's one of a couple on my list that stick with me because I can remember where I was at the first time I heard it. Um, I listened to this album over and over again. Mace was kind of the the second generation of bad boy rappers that were supposed to come on. And he was pretty much the only one that stuck. Um you know, there were some other B-level guys that, that came in and out, but Mace was that second generation star. Um, super camera friendly, you know, super slow with his raps. It was very slowed down, almost had a 
a Southern drawl to it, even though he came, you know, from the heart of New York. And um, it, it was this really fun balance of, oh, yeah, we're going to rap about all of the fun things in our life and having made it. But then also this very dark, gritty side of what he was capable of. And so it was a really nice balance for a rap album to get both of those things in there. But some great features on this album. DMX, Busta Rhymes. Uh, This was the first time that I was ever exposed to 8-Ball and MJG, which opened up an entire Mm -hmm. new catalog for me of Memphis rap that, uh, you know, I still appreciate to this day. And so this is one that <clears throat> this was a super hyped album because it was coming off the bad boy label. You know, it was basically this guy that they'd pulled out of, you know, a local rap group and built into a star and it actually worked. Well, yeah, like this was puffed out at the peak of his powers. Like this was him yeah. t- taking, you know, like, decent rapper but like i would never say mace is the most skilled rapper he's good but you know what i'm saying but like he's taking no, like somebody who's decently right. skilled and he's like i can make you a star and here's how i'm gonna do it i'm gonna put you on these features you are gonna be the guy that's always having the most fun and then we are gonna parlay that into an entire album where no matter what you're having the most fun and you're in charge and it worked like it was awesome yeah and those shiny suits and all that come on it was yeah it was great like oh it was so beautiful I, I i remember in college when mace did his little comeback do you remember that and i got super excited at, at the oh, welcome yeah. back cotter beat that they used on that on that track and it just at that point i, I was just like oh yeah i really do like mace i missed him and like again it, it, that's a, it's a super fun album and it reminds me of yeah. very much right where i was when that came out so yeah hope you're doing well mace moving on to my number four this is another one that has uh some very fond memories tied to it not his best album by any means but one that really sticks with me in this decade is dr dre's chronic 2001 album super hyped album you know, everybody was so excited for this to come out. Um, I mean, this was the second coming of Christ for rap, you know, for him to finally put out another album in 1999. And I remember riding up and down Main Street with my buddies, listening to this album on repeat. It was all we listened to for a month on end. Mm-hmm. And it's good. Like, it's really good. You know, you get great features from Snoop and Eminem. Uh, you, you know, you get some good stuff from exhibit and also this was probably the pinnacle of rap album skits Oh God! and all the Eddie Griffin bits on this album. <laughs> Biggest house. Arse. I'm playing it. Solid gold. Earth. Solid gold. <laughs> it, it, it really was everything that a 90s rap album was supposed to be like you had equal parts hype and humor and also pair that with great producing um you know stars that people could rally around and just really solid fundamental rap oh yeah like 
this album in a lot of ways for me really felt like almost a bookend like yeah like like you said it was very much what the stereotypical 90s rap album is supposed to be and you know it's um like tons of skits rapping about you know bitches and like how hardcore we are and all the weed we smoke but it it's just done at such a crazily high level that you're that it's impressive and 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 it's undeniable um, the thing about this album is I feel like you could take out all of the lyrics, all the words, and you'd still probably be okay listening to it for a while. The beats on this album are stupid. And they're like, I mean, Dr. Dre's done good work since don't get me wrong, but like the beats on that, this are insane. It's exactly what you want. Cause it was like an evolution of the G funk stuff. Oh, it's so yep. good. I can attest that I have listened to this instrumental and it slaps like it slaps with no lyrics. It's just a solid instrumental album. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's super impressive and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's not his best work lyrically. Um, you know, I, well, it's not even his work lyrically. No, no. Um, I mean, what this one's mostly Eminem and Jay-Z, right? Mm hmm. And, you know, it's it's fine lyrically speaking for Dre himself, but it's just it's so good and it sticks in the minds of so many people. Like if you go to a bar tonight and play Forgot About Dre, the crowd is oh, going to yeah. be hyped. You know, I mean, we're talking 20 years later, the crowd is still hyped and everybody and their dog knows the Eminem verse. Well, that was the other thing. Like he really let Eminem off the chain on those features and just was like, go for it, which was smart. I mean, he was like, at that point he was still launching Eminem, yeah. you know, like that was the same year as Slim Shady. Like you had to do it, but oh yeah. Right. Good stuff. Yeah. Very yeah good. It's just, it's good. Well, my number four um, came out a year before that. It was in 1988. It, it is the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Um, I, this Good album pick. is one of my favorite albums, just period. But like, it's also sort of depressing to me at this point because we did not, we, we have not gotten enough from Lauren Hill. We got like two Fuji's records. We got this and then we got an unplugged and that is all we've gotten. And that sucks because she's, maybe the best rapper I've ever heard. Like, wow. I, I challenge you to listen to lost ones on this album and, and come back with anything better. Like she, when she wanted to, and that's, that's been her whole career when she wants to, when she wanted to, there's nobody better at it. And this album does, does has a really good split of the soul and her singing, which I feel like her singing voice is actually underrated. Like she, she sings really, really well. And then Agreed. some of the stuff where she raps and you're just, like I said, Lost Ones is insane to me. And, um, you know, the single doo-wop, which was great, but the, and that had the really nice dichotomy of the rapping and the singing. And then everything is everything. The same yeah. thing. Like, like you get both. The The video for doo-wop is absolutely beautiful. Like it's, oh, yeah, it's so much fun to watch. And like, um, it was, it's, this album was so big, like just huge. Like she won, she was nominated for like 10 Grammys, won like five or six of them. It was just, 
Yeah. And nobody that like no no woman had ever done that. And it, it just seemed like when this was coming out and when it, when it was out, it seemed like she's gonna dominate this for as long as she wants to. And then she just didn't. She had kids, yeah. and then she kind of had a bit of a breakdown, and then she's just kind of done whatever. Like, um, she's been. She kind of went Wesley Snipes on us. Yeah, like she's you know she's reunited with the Fugees a couple times for some shows, and then she tours and shows up a couple hours late for basically every show, and that's kind of it. Which, like I said, it's this album. I love it. It's so good, and it also bums me out because I just think about what should have been. But I I don't think anything on it sounds dated, and we are. 20 plus years out you know so yeah when the fujis came out and the score was such a big hit it was evident then that she was going to be the star of that group mm-hmm. um you know no disrespect to wyclef and pros you know they they played their you parts. can give a little disrespect to pros okay Just thank you um you know clef went on and had a a great solo career um but it was evident that Lauren Hill really was the the energy behind this group. And then we get this album and she proves it. You know, she proves that she was, you know, such a huge part of that creative process and, you know, gets to put her talent up on a pedestal with this album. And it got people psyched like, you know, OK, we're going to. You know, we're going to put her right next to Missy Elliott and have, you know, this this charge of female rappers come out and, you know, help open this game up. And unfortunately, we we didn't get that from her, you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, just love her. Like, I mean, I that album, I listened to it a couple weeks ago. I will probably yeah. listen to it in a week. Like, I... It's one of those that is just has literally never left rotation for me. So, um, speaking of stuff that's never left rotation, uh, my number three album is Life After Death by the Notorious B.I.G. Uh, it never left rotation because there's so many goddamn singles on it that are monstrous. Like, you can't you you can't profess to be a rap fan and not hear this stuff regularly. It's just, it's so important. Um, right. It's it's a crazy album. It's a rap double disc, which, all right. Um, <laughs> it's called Life After Death. It came out literally 16 days after he died, which is insane to think about. Um, and just like, and just like mm-hmm. the big singles on it, like Hypnotize and Mo Money, Mo Problems and Go Back to Cali. And, and there's other stuff on it, like the weirdo fucking uh, night with R. Kelly, which I mean, R. Kelly is canceled and whatever, but Biggie's so funny on that. Like, like he's cracking these jokes and you're just like, that's super gross. He is. But it's hilarious. He really is. And then, I mean, like the influence this has, like, like 10 Crack Commandments literally became the uh, 10 Dual Commandments on Hamilton. Like, it's it's just this album that it didn't go away. And right. I, it's, there's some bloat to it. And some of the skits are whatever. And I know that it's not as tight as ready to die, but 
Yeah, I love it. Like, it's just, it, it, it is bad. Like, this, to me, is what Bad Boy Records was. Like, bloated, you know, a little bit bloated. <laughs> right. A little bit over the top. But the stuff that hits is so undeniable that you can't, that you just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, you'll sure. deal with the other shit. Yeah, like, you know, and then you've got Puff Daddy kind of just doing his thing. You know, whatever that is. So this this might be the most appropriately named album, um, not only because of the irony of of the release, you know, uh, prior to Biggie's death or right after Biggie's death. But also, like you mentioned, you know, having samples in the Hamilton score, um, you know, this album is one that continues to live on with some monster singles that. You know, people still love and are, are going to love. Like, I know that eventually my kids and their generation are going to be listening to tracks off this album. Yeah, yeah. like hypnotize. Like, it's like, never going to go away. No, or like whenever you, whenever anybody goes to California, they will listen to going back to Cali. Like, that is just what's going to yep. happen. Yep. No, it's it's uh, it's huge, uh, literally and figuratively. But yeah, it's it's a solid well, pick. Uh, like in a way it kind of goes hand in hand with talking about like Lauren Hill. Like this was also like one of two official albums we got from, from big, like, and that sucks. Like, right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like no way out is almost basically a big, a big album with, with the stuff they put on that. But you know, it's like, that's the one thing about a lot of this, a, a lot of artists from the nineties is you got some brilliant stuff, but a lot of it was too short, man. And it's just a bummer. Yeah, and unfortunately, the recording technology mm-hmm. was dated, and so there's a lot of stuff that was lost, um, you know, in recording sessions that uh, you, we hope, knock on wood, that we won't have in today's time just because of digital recording. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff on physical media, you know, masters that were never in good condition and, you know, deteriorated over time. And so it's a shame when you look at artists from this generation, because there's, there's shit that we're never going to hear. Moving on to my number three, a bit of a change of pace. Um, I feel like this is the one on my list. That's kind of an outlier, but it's a tribe called quest midnight marauders. I got to say, before you go on, I was shocked. This was the tribe album you picked shocked. I struggled with this. Um, and Obviously, I struggled with your number two also because I had that same dilemma there. We'll get to. But yeah, I, I had a hard time deciding which tribe album to to land on. Um, I got to say that for the most part, this comes down to uh, award tour and how good Fife is on award tour. Um, and really, he is so good throughout this entire album. You know, this was Fife's coming out party. Um, also with this, a tribe called quest had a somewhat different message and style than a lot of the other artists on our lists. Uh, <clears throat> you know, part of a pro black movement within hip hop, you know, to try and get things back to, uh, African roots and also just to embrace black culture, you know, outside, uh, and try not to focus on 
you know, the violence and, and the drug trade and really just be more of a, uh, a black empowerment group. And, you know, I feel like they were one of the front runners to do that. Um, you know, they got in with the jungle brothers and some others, mm-hmm. but they really helped push, you know, kind of this enlightenment music that, you know, the world needed at that time and still needs today. Tip is great throughout the entire album, but like I said, Fife really drives it home on this. And, you know, that's one that was gone too soon because we could really use some more Fife Dog right now. Yeah, like one thing I really always appreciate about Tribe versus any, basically almost any other, like Tribe doesn't no. sound like anybody else. Like when you listen to Tribe, like, the beats are different. The wit, like the way they rap, is different. The stuff they're rapping about, it is it is very specific, and that's nice. Like that's that's great. Um, this it's this is a great album. I don't really have much to add because you're you're right. Like it's great. I would like I like I lean more just towards low in theory, and that's because of scenario, and that's yeah, and that is that that will forever be my jam. But I get. I get why you like a war tour. I get why you want to be on the, on this one. It's not, it's not like you're picking a lesser album, if that makes sense. Like Midnight Marauders no. and, and the low in theory are so close. Like they're, they're both so good. Like mm-hmm. picking a, the better one. Isn't like, if you say you like this one, that doesn't mean you don't like the other one. And like, I just really like a tribe called race. Right. So I, I feel smarter and happier when I listen to this album, which is hard to do because with a lot of intelligent rap, it's normally not coming from a happy place. You know, it's very militant. It's very, uh, you know, Hey, wake the fuck up. The world is on fire. And tribe has that. Like, I mean, if you listen to some of their later stuff, especially off their last album, you know, there's very much this, Hey, the world's on fire feel, but, you know, to to feel enlightened and also happy um, is a pretty delicate balance and they nail it. Yeah. So moving on to my number two, uh, circling back to Biggie. And honestly, we probably could have just done a top five of, you know, Biggie songs. But for me, my number two was Ready to Die, 1994 debut album um not because i don't like life after death but this one is just so monumental uh from the album cover you know that is still sticks with you to this day the track list is just it's crisp it's tight um there's not much of that bad boy bloat and they weren't successful yet they weren't you know the shit had to be good um, you know, th- this is one, you know, you look at, give me the loot warning, one more chance, juicy, big Papa. Like there's just so much good shit on this album that is, even if he had not put out any more music, mm-hmm. this would be a top five album. You know, I mean, not too many other people can say that. I think, you know, Big L's probably in the conversation just because he was also another one that was gone too soon. And the 
ability that was there. People were excited to see what else could come from Big L. Um, but Biggie just got, he got there. You know, this album put him on the map. He was a star from this moment going forward. And it, it's just so much good shit on one debut album. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's super confident. Like, which is wild because like the notorious big barely makes sense okay this was like <laughs> this fat dude from you know like crappiest part of new york and like he's got a lisp like he's got a, a weirdo hype man like there's just so much going on with him that you're like huh and then yeah you hear him and you're like oh i get it sure like this is smart and funny and just well done and just just the skill he had because you know like you, you were just talking about like smart rap and like a lot of times i can do like homework and i never feel like yeah like i'm having to study or like it's homework when you put on anything by the by the notorious big like the other piece of that too is that not only does it make it easy for you to listen to, mm-hmm. but it looks effortless to him. You know, with with the speed and the delivery that he's got, it just looks so easy. Oh yeah, well, just like the crazy amount of like just the way he influenced everybody to like where Jay-Z was like, well, I don't write down my rhymes either. Cause Biggie didn't write his down. It's like, okay. You know, like everybody always says it's either Tupac or Biggie. And like, that's, that's forever ago at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. And like, right. Small output, but unimpeachable. And yeah, ready to die is great. Like I, it's so good. There's not much more to be said about it. Um, so my number two is, uh, let's just jump into it. It's a It's by Outcast. Um, I love a It's so good. It's, it's what is, it? it's an album that like, I, I like because you really get to see an evolution of a group sound. And, uh, my favorite thing yeah. about Aquemini is the name because, uh, it's their Zodiac signs mashed up because, freaking 3000 is a weirdo and so yeah it's aquarius and gemini aquarius is big boy gemini is 3000 and that that's where they came up with it you know like whatever but it's just it's it's stupidly smart but like if you listen to it this is like a desolate album like it is what they are rapping about is not happy no it's a it's coming from a sad place Mm mm-hmm like, and I, I was just going through the track list when I was getting ready for this. And, I, and like, it's all those things where I don't think about the tracks they're on until I actually look at them. And like, I mean, you've got Rose Parks, which is like one of my five favorite Outcast songs just ever. I just love it. And then there's all this other stuff, like the Skewed on the Barbie, which has a great Raekwon feature. Skewed uh, on the Barbie is got, so good. Got, yes. And then you got like the title track. you got both of the uh, Dart Storytellings. Um, you got yes body which uh means something to you even more than to me which is just it's a dope song so i had my entire wedding party walk out to spodioti dopalicious and 
to this day, it's one of my crowning achievements. I'm so pr- I'm so proud of that decision. Like, um, we were just talking about a track quest and how they don't sound like anybody, and that also applies to Outcast. Like, Outcast doesn't sound like anybody at all. Like, they they are completely themselves. And what's interesting about that is, I that's true for their overarching sound, but like each album doesn't sound like a different album and equipment it's right it's very much just like i said it's kind of grimy it's dark it's i I don't know how to really go beyond that like it's like you just have to listen to it this is probably my biggest offense on my top five is that i don't have any outcast and it's because of this very issue that i did not know which outcast album to pick and because you are picking a different story with each and every outcast album. Like mm-hmm. if, if you want to go Southern playlistic, you know, you are choosing a certain style of outcast that is less weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's more traditional, you know, hard it's hitting great, playboy but... rap. Yeah, it, it is good. Um, it's also much more big boys album. Oh yeah. And you know, this starts to, you see a little bit more of the evolution of Andre and this also signals the acknowledgement of their two styles, you know, from, from being, you know, when you look at Southern playlistic and, you know, they're, they're both kind of trying to come across as, you know, smooth gangster playboy types. And <laughs> then when you get to this album, Andre is finally acknowledging his weird side. And this is kind of the precursor to, you know, speaker box in the love below, uh, you know, this was kind of their first, you know, dipping their toe in the water of, Hey, why don't we do our own things and see what mm-hmm. comes up? <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I struggled because if I had to pick one outcast album, just in general, it would probably be, um, Oh shit. Uh, Stankonia. Yeah. You know, just be, yeah, that's but it's album. it's in the next decade. And so, you know, I was I was eliminated from choosing that one. So trying to choose one of these early albums was very tough for me. But this is I, I think this is a great representation of who Outkast is. And also what it meant to the 90s. Yeah. And, oh, man, because like they like, they were one of those standard bears for the South, you know, like and you know, coming up to a point where like, cause they yep. took that source award where it really early and like people had to start paying attention back kids. At one point, the source awards were a thing where oh, man. they mattered and they people were so actually good. gave a shit. And like, and the, the artists that were nominated actually went to the source awards and like fights and, you know, shootings and stuff happened. And, but people actually cared anyway, back yeah. to this, uh, like outcast, you know, at the time, you know, mid, you know, early to mid nineties, nobody gave a shit about the South and outcast gave it legitimacy along with, you know, other like good nod. And there's, there's plenty of other Southern acts that did. Oh, but. absolutely. But, uh, outcast was the tip of the spear, you know, because mm-hmm. even with goody mob, I don't think CeeLo green gets to where he is without outcast paving the way to help make room for a guy like CeeLo green, who is mm-hmm. also, you know, this Southern rapper who's very weird, 
and you know yeah, he, yeah he's real weird he's real weird and also a guy like killer mike you know to be able mm-hmm. to to push to you know the public eye like he is now you know that doesn't happen without his features on the outcast albums and those guys helping make room for guys like killer mike all right well um we we're to our number ones and our number one is the same surprise uh it is uh by a little a little group called the wu-tang clan um this is into the wu-tang 36 chambers it came out in 93 and go for it jake don't know i was nine years old when this album came out and i heard it and it changed me forever the this is such an angry album at times, but then also this weird enlightened, like we're going to pull from samurai warriors and show you a better way type of enlightenment. Um, it's funny. It's gross. It's, it's everything. Um, I know that there's a lot of other people out there. You know, obviously we left Nas off the list. We left Tupac off the list. Um, you know, we, we left Doggy a lot of, the list, yeah, yeah we, we left Snoop off the list, but the Wu-Tang Clan, I feel like best embodies and personifies the coast, which they came from. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about New York rap, and, you know, Nas is probably one person that could be in this conversation along with Biggie. But the grittiness and the griminess of what the New York rap scene was, these guys embodied it, told that story, and did it in a way that you could not argue with. Like, there was just so much good shit here and so much talent amongst these guys that... Every time you thought you started to get a feel for how the album was going to go, another MC jumped on and Mm -hmm. changed directions. And it was just as good, but it, it felt like a full out assault on your ears and your brain from these guys. And when it was over, it was like, Oh shit, I've got to hear that again to hear what I missed because what, you know, which MC was that, which MC was that? Okay. I know that's Raekwon. Um, you always know who Raekwon is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raekwon and Ghostface were probably the, in ODB. You know, the group. And Method Man. Uh, Christ, I, I don't know. Yeah, like there's just, there's so many voices on here all telling their own story and all doing it in their own style. But when it comes together, it's like Voltron and it just turns into this bigger, better thing that uh, Wu Tang has impregnated our culture. I mean, I, I have my five year old throws up a Wu Tang sign for me every night before we go to bed. It's for the children, you know. Like this is just uh, it, it. It was everything that a rap group was supposed to be. Well, and like, I just especially because like like this is ninety three. The stuff they were doing is crazy. Like, it'd be crazy if it happened now, 
But the fact that this was happening so early on in the decade, and even and really in the in this art form's kind of almost life, like, yeah, it, it's wild. And I, 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 the one person we haven't talked about is Riza, and like, oh, Riza is maybe the most important person in the group because he made the beats, and the beats yeah. are what sticks out the most from this album like they are like nothing else i don't know and like the thing is i'm not sure the riz has ever been able to, to do it again like he's tried it it's not he's tried it's, it he's it tried is, but it's but it's not the same i it's got just all the all the sampling and the way it's chopped together and like you said earlier gr- it's, it feels grimy and dirty and then you've got the the kung fu like sound effects and it's just it's insane it, like this album is insanity and i love it and it gave the world old dirty bastard and it's it was a, it's a damn shame he didn't get to yeah. do more but like but like you get all these personalities who are super good and like and there's a, there's a couple of like solo albums that came out later that are incredible like only built for cuban for cuban links is insane yeah liquid like, swords so yeah you know like there's some great stuff but nothing like nothing they did separately and even as a group together ever topped this like this was just in- so good they were greater than the sum of their parts um in every way and it's amazing that a group like this was able to coexist like they mm-hmm. were you know, like there, you didn't hear a lot of about the egos and, you know, all of the personalities in the room and, you know, to be able to continue to keep this brand alive, even now, you know, we're talking 30 years later that the Wu-Tang brand is still a thing. I mean, I miss yeah. Wu-Wear. Got to diversify your bonds, uh, Drake. But That's true. But it's something that was super special. And when you listen to this album, you know, Bring the Ruckus, Shame, Clan in the Front, Can It All Be So Simple, Wu-Tang Clan, Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing Cream. to Fuck With, Cream, Method Man, Protect Your Neck. Like, everything you want, like, out of a, like if you re- think of a Wu-Tang single, it's on this album, except for Triumph. Well, yeah, like, yeah, basically, I mean, triumph and gravel. If yeah, like in a lot of ways, like that almost just sounds like a greatest hits album, but it's just an album. Yeah, and it's the and it's the first one, which is also crazy. Like it, it's just it embodies the '90s in a lot of ways for me. It makes me think of it's what I think of when I think of '90s rap. It's it's what I think of when I think of just rap. Like it's important to me, and that's why it's at the top of my list. Yeah. We love it, and you should too. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for tonight, kids. Uh, get at us on on the Facebooks. Yeah, Let we us know what you want us to do. We, we we will take some suggestions. We might not do it, but we're we're here. Yeah. We're listening. We appreciate the online interactions too. Please keep liking, sharing, commenting on our stuff. Uh, we appreciate and hear from you guys. We hope you like what we're doing because we like what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We'll catch you later. All right. Take care, guys.